He waited until the last of the line had entered the cinema for the eight o'clock movie. All right, let's take a tour, he said to the boy at the wheel. The boy drove slowly around the parking lot. Here, he said. The boy stopped the car. The man looked at the parked vehicle. It was an older Ford commercial van, well cared for and clean. Wait a minute, he said. He got out of the car and grabbed his tool bag. Drive over to the edge of the parking lot and wait. When you see the van's headlights go on, follow me home. I'll be making a lot of turns. Yes, sir, the boy said. He slipped a pair of rubber gloves on, then walked over to the van and tried the door. Unlocked. It took him less than a minute to punch the steering lock and start the van. He switched on the lights and checked the odometer. 48,000 miles. Not bad. He backed out of the parking space and drove out of the lot, onto the highway. In the rearview mirror, he watched the boy fall in behind him, well back. He drove for a couple of minutes, constantly making turns, checking the mirror. Then he turned down a dirt road, drove a hundred yards, and stopped. The boy stopped behind him. He sat in the van and watched the traffic pass on the highway for five minutes. Then he made a U-turn and went back to the highway and headed west. He had two hours before the van's owner would come out of the movies and discover his loss. But he needed only half an hour. Twenty-five minutes later, he drove into the little town. And five minutes after that, he pulled the van into the large steel shed behind his business. Half a dozen men, who had been sitting around a poker table, stood up and walked over. Looks good, one of them said. It'll do. Only 48K on the clock, and it runs like a sewing machine. Let's do it. Everybody went to work. First, they donned rubber gloves, then they washed the van thoroughly and cleaned the interior, and fastened two rough wooden benches to the floor. Two men unrolled a large decal and affixed it to the side of the van. Environmental Services, Inc., it read. And in smaller letters, cleaning up after the world. There was a phone number, too. If anyone rang it, they'd get a pizzeria on US-1. They fixed an identical decal to the opposite side of the van, then changed the license plates, tossing the old ones into the van. Somebody looked under the hood, fiddled with a couple of things, then closed it. Good shape, he said. The man knows how to take care of a vehicle. He checked a sticker on the windshield. Had it serviced last week. Nice of him. I hope his insurance is paid up, someone else said. All right, their leader said. Let's go over it again. The poker chips and cards were removed from the big round table, and a large floor plan was spread out. Number two, the leader said. Take us through it. We all know it by heart, somebody said. You will when I'm finished, the leader said. Then you can all get a good night's sleep. When the van was ready, they went home and left him alone in the shed. He went to an elongated safe in a corner, tapped the combination into the keypad, and opened it. He removed six Remington riot guns, 
12-gauge pump shotguns with 18 and a quarter inch barrels, normally used for police work, and took them to the van, laying them on the floor. He went to a locker and removed six blue jumpsuits, all the same size, took them to the van and put one where each man would sit. Back to the locker to find six yellow construction hard hats, six dust masks and six pairs of tinted safety goggles, which he laid neatly on top of the jumpsuits. Then he laid a shotgun on each seat and placed a box of double-aught shells and a pair of latex surgical gloves beside each shotgun. Finally, he went back to the gun safe, removed six nine-millimeter semi-automatic handguns and boxes of ammunition and distributed them inside the van. The weapons had been bought, one at a time, at gun shows or from unlicensed dealers, then stripped, inspected, and if necessary, repaired. Before reassembly, each part of each weapon had been washed clean with denatured alcohol and oiled. There would be no fingerprints or DNA samples on them. When he was done, he sat down at the table, stripped off his gloves and poured himself a drink from a bottle of bourbon. He looked at the newspaper clipping again. Eleven o'clock at the courthouse. Happy occasion, he said aloud to himself, and oh so convenient.